welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review so others can find the show too. My guest today is Dr. Mike Pumphrey. Mike is Professor and Orville Vogel Endowed Chair of Spring Wheat Breeding and Genetics at WSU. His breeding program focuses on the development of high-yielding, high-quality, and pest and disease-resistant spring wheat varieties for diverse Washington production environments, and current releases are most widely planted spring wheats in the Northwest. Breeding goals in this program also include herbicide-tolerant wheat varieties, high-falling numbers, and varieties with specific value-added end-use characteristics. Mike teaches courses in crop growth and development and advanced principles in plant breeding and genetics, in addition to broad involvement in WSU extension programs. Hello, Mike. Hi, Drew. So um, how is the 2022 spring wheat season looking at this point in time? I know we're not quite done with harvest, but you've you got some sites uh, harvested. What's it looking like for you? Well, I think not quite um, done with harvest is maybe an understatement. Um, <laughs> it's really been a what I would call a roller coaster year, you know, but we expect roller coasters in agriculture. Um, we uh, we have a unique situation, I think, where spring wheat and often in many areas is, is caught up and is, is ready to be harvested at the same time as winter wheat. So growers are really doing double time right now. And, uh, you know, the, the yields so far in our, in our variety testing plots and breeding plots have been, uh, quite good and, um, you know, significantly better than last year. But uh, overall, you know, I've had reports from growers like I've never had about some of the best yields they've ever seen. With that said, with harvest being delayed, I start getting nervous about getting wheat out of the field and and the backlog. And once you have mature grain in the field, there's a lot of risk. Right. Yeah. We have had a few little thunderstorms go through the area, which... uh is always a little scary this time of year. Yeah, it is. And and uh, obviously, you know, the the hail damage that was spotty throughout, you know, Spokane and Whitman counties is very serious. Um the rain, I don't think we're overwhelmed yet, but but if if we pick up a rain pattern with this mature wheat in the field, it's definitely an area for concern on on in in use quality. Okay. You mentioned the uh, the roller coaster and it seems like uh, you know, 2020 was a really pretty good year for sp- or 2021 was a pretty good year for spring wheat then. No, yeah, like 2020, no it was 2020. Yeah. yeah, and then 2021 we had the drought, and now this year looks like a really good year. So uh, spring wheat tends to maybe oscillate a bit more than, than winter wheat. So how should a grower look at uh, spring wheat in their crop rotation? What's, what's, what's its role in your opinion? For the vast majority of growers, it's exactly that. It's a rotation crop. But with that said, um, you know, growers don't have the, the margins to, to ignore every part of their rotation. And, and, you know, doing that, whether it's in terms of, you know, optimizing profit within that spring year or really thinking long term about the rotations in terms of weed control, disease benefits, um, you know, through rotation, that's, that's critically important as well. Um, you know, for things like irrigated spring wheat, obviously it, it is a, ro- it's a rotation crop, but it's a, it's a, 
you know, cash crop at the same time. Um, but, you know, I, I basically, my view as a, a wheat breeder of spring wheat is to really try to package things to minimize the inputs and, and yet have profitability. And that's, that's why we do focus on some value added traits and put so much emphasis on disease and pest resistance and, you know, other uh, tolerance to abiotic stresses. Okay. So, um, have there been any significant or recent changes in how your breeding program goes about developing spring wheat varieties? Um, you know, the, the basic methods are, you know, 120 years old now, but, uh, but, you know, it's, it's been interesting and nice over the past, I'd say three to four years, we've fully sort of embraced, um, genotyping every advanced line in a dense way that comes through our program so that we can use that, that DNA information to predict performance in, in future or other environments or help identify the best lines. Maybe if the, if the data is a little variable. Um, another thing we've done is now we're routinely now, um, using aerial drone imagery with with some specialized cameras at every location we operate and and uh, starting to use that data to select for things like drought tolerance and and stay green under heat stress um, and you know several you know before three or four years ago those were more experimental we had grants to do that research now it's just a part of the the process okay and how's that going for you you feel like you've like it's really helped you make decisions on what to keep in and what to throw out? Um, yeah, we're getting to that point. Um, and I mean, yes is the answer, but you know, the, uh, it's, it's interesting because we can't be there every day. We can't see necessarily the, the progress over a, a one week period as accurately. And, and we're getting more detailed information that tells me a little bit more about, you know, how tough a wheat is. Say we get this 105 degree heat spell for three days. You can really watch and monitor by having somebody go out and fly that. That's not me as the breeder and, and, and start interpreting that data about what might have a little bit better stay green or tolerance under stress. Okay. Um, what traits uh, are you most focused on these days or, or what do you feel like uh, you need to be putting into your spring wheat varieties? Um, the the primary core set of traits that I, I speak at, at at field days with growers and, and uh, that are a core part of our program are rust resistance, hessian fly resistance, aluminum tolerance, and obviously, you know, decent agronomics. But um, I feel like we've gotten to a point where some of those major traits that are easier to select are, are getting more or less fixed in the germplasm. And so I'm really looking more next level at things like threshability, um, straw strength. And, you know, there are things we've always paid attention to. They're critically important to growers, but they're much more complicated to measure or, you know, takes more uh, – you know, observations across environments. So we're, we're really focusing in more on those kind of um, fine tuning traits that make the whole, you know, growing experience better for a farmer um, all the way through harvest. Okay. Uh, I wonder in spring wheat, because it's a, a rotational crop, whether there's um, more interest in, in these various little niches out there. So breeding uh, spring wheat varieties that fit different niches rather than just broad spectrum adaptability and yield? Yeah, you know, that's a real challenge because it's, you know, it's only uh, about a quarter of the acres, you know, of, of our wheat in the state. Um, 
seed dealers, the industry doesn't want a thousand choices. So okay. there, there are practical limitations to how many, how many niches you can have. But that's why we tend to focus on things like we've got a, a significant and expanding effort on nutrition and, and biofortification and, and, you know, starch, uh, digestion, um, as well as, um, you know, specialty uses. And so, um, as long as the varieties that have those are good overall, they can fit into the system while giving unique, you know, marketing opportunities. But I still believe personally that our spring wheat varieties, for the most part, to serve the growers in the state best, um, I need to focus on broad adaptation and, and keep it limited to a handful of really good varieties that fit a broad geography that that allows winter wheat to still be, you know, well, not allows, but that you still have the most winter wheat bins with, you know, available varieties across the state. Okay. I had uh, uh, Clark Neely on a little while ago um, talking about the uh, winter wheat variety tests around the state. One of the things he pointed out was um, how bad the uh, the weed situation was in winter wheat. And uh, historically, spring wheats have been used to uh, – rotate with to help with those winter annual grasses. Uh, and one of the ways they help is you can plant them a little bit later, hopefully get a lot of that winter annual grass up, killed before you plant the spring wheat. But then you need, you might, uh, depending on how late you go, you might need some heat tolerance. So um, you have your varieties are, I would think that would be something you might want to uh, focus in on since we're almost always in terminal drought when it comes to spring wheat, aren't we? Yeah. And, and that's exactly what we do. I mean, one way is we continue to try to push the envelope on earlier maturity while maintaining, you know, yield so that even if we're seeding late, we're maturing at a time that we're not getting as much risk later on, even whether it's at, at flowering time when heat is most damaging or um, later on, you know, even up through harvest or being harvested too late. Um, but that is a primary focus of, of uh, multiple um, grants that we have from USDA and the Foundation for Food and Agricultural Research um, work that you might hear about with Andres Martinko, Kim Campbell, Aaron Carter, Sindhu Sankaran, all here at WSU. Um, and, and that's where we use the high throughput phenotype to come in and measure, um, you know, how plants or how genotypes are, are responding to heat. And we do that through manipulated experiments where we can control the irrigation and we can control planting date. So a station like our Othello Research Station will plant timely and late, but will also overlay uh, multiple irrigation regimes and see which genotypes do the best in those those most, uh, I would say, challenging situations, uh, which ones are most stable across situations, and which ones really do the best under the optimal planting date and, and um, irrigation schedule. Okay. Well, as, as um, things like downy brome and Italian ryegrass and the like start uh, showing us that we are that they're resistant to many of the herbicides we use, I think rotation's going to have play a much bigger role. And I, th I think I see spring wheat as being one of those tools that can be used uh, for that. It was in the past, and I think maybe we'll see more of it used that way in the future. Um, you talked about several tools uh, that just a few years ago were kind of experimental, but now are pretty much uh, fixed in your system. You see any other new technologies coming that you're looking at that hold promise for the breeding program? Um, yeah, I think, you know, it, 
those those tools that are new are going to continue to improve um, in terms of the you know the the data generation and processing and how we analyze it. But um, honestly, the next changes I see mainly as being genetic. And, and that's through hybrid wheat. I think hybrid wheat is something that we're, um, we're starting to work on that um, in cooperation with some other companies and universities that I think it is going to enter the marketplace, you know, over the next, you know, let's say, seven to eight years, um, which means we're breeding for it now. Um, another one is, you know, we We've talked about it, but this gene editing where we can go in and specifically target just basic mutations in, in the genes that are already there that change their function a little bit. Um, we're starting to see scientists develop some gene edits that make a lot of sense to start in, introducing into varieties. Um, and with, you know, the U.S. policy and, and even our um, import um, customers, you know, around the world, uh, more or less accepting this gene editing as something that's not, you know, like a transgenic or genetically modified modified organism, I think you're going to start seeing more and more gene edited varieties where we're tracking specific alleles or of, of genes to do specific. Okay. Is that, uh, we hear a lot, or at least I, I occasionally read things in the popular press on the CRISPR technology. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, here? that's, we're talking about CRISPR and, and some of it doesn't have to necessarily be CRISPR. It could just be that we've been able to go in and find in a, in a, population of mutants, the exact allele we want and kind of breed it in traditionally, but, but really looking at direct allele selection okay. you know, instead of just seeing how it functions or grows. And, and this is for all traits. I mean, we have loci evaluated that we know increased test weight. If you mutate that one locus or gene, you get an increase in test weight. Um, uh, others for maturity, others for the, you know, certain quality aspects. I think you're going to start seeing more sort of defined packages of those alleles coming together. Okay. Well, um, you know, I think your spring wheat varieties have a, a, own a large percent of the acreage grown here in the state. And so you're doing some great things. The growers are appreciating that and showing you their appreciation by planting it on a lot of acres. Appreciate you taking the time today to come and talk to me about your spring wheat breeding program here at WSU. All right. Thank you, Drew. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear in future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications and the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.